Angela McArdle, it's great to welcome you onto the program. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So my pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So you mentioned you were a bit exhausted. What's going on? What, what are you working on? You working on a lot of stuff? I am. So I've been doing a lot of travel to promote my chair race for the National Libertarian Party. But but the big news is that today we started collecting signatures for the city of Los Angeles initiative to overturn vaccine mandates. So I've been working around the clock the last 48 hours to get everything to go live. Why is that an important issue to you? Oh, I, I believe that vaccine mandates are a gross violation of our constitutional rights and our natural right to bodily autonomy. <clears throat> uh, okay. Now, may I ask, are, are you pro-choice? Because the vaccine thing leads to the, the abortion conversation, right? We might oh, sure. We might I mean, you know, I'm in, I'm in favor. I link it to drug decriminalization, actually. Uh, you know, I'm in favor of people being able to put whatever they want into their bodies, even if it's something that I think is bad for them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, by the same token, a lot of people think vaccines are great. And a lot of people think vaccines are bad. And, you know, my perspective is, well, you can think whatever you want about it. Just don't force anyone to to take it. Mm -hmm. Everyone should, should have the ability to decide for themselves. Yep. And then of course, the only thing that you run up against to uh, run up against is, well, Angela, you know, this is a, a pandemic, this is a virus, and then <clears throat> protecting the public versus protecting that individual right, certainly you recognize as a reasonable person, you know, the whole concept of vaccination. And I mean, so what do you do with that? I mean, I guess the constitutional right prevails of the individual. Oh, if, I mean, I, I don't care how bad it is. Uh, no one should be mandated to inject themselves or undergo medical treatment, medical experimentation, if you want to look at it that way, mm -hmm. which I do. Mm -hmm. uh, and if it was truly that bad, if people were gripped with fear and terrified, all of us for our lives, we would be staying at home. You wouldn't have people working at the grocery store so willingly and doing DoorDash, mm -hmm. trying to sneak into speakeasies and, and have nightclub parties. That's That wouldn't be the reality. Hmm. But that's But that is the reality right now. Everybody wants to get on with their lives. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's tiresome. It is. Do you think this reaction by government was just, is it nefarious or was it just an overreaction or, you know, what do you, what do you think? Man, my, my theory on that is like a moving target, right? It, it keeps kind of changing a little bit because there are so many factors at play. But I tend to think that it was initially based out of, incompetence and kind of a desire to to control right this tyrannical obsession with control even if it doesn't start necessarily as malicious it's almost like ocd on the behalf of our government officials and the further things got i think they started to realize that you know social distancing and mask mandates and things like that don't work and now vaccine mandates how that don't those don't work but they they've got to save face and they place that as a higher priority than our personal safety, our individual freedom, our dignity and, and self-respect. Mm -hmm. And once that line is crossed, I do think that it becomes malicious. Mm. So I think it's a mix. It's a mix of ill will and, you know, gross negligence and incompetence. Mm. Interesting. Makes sense. So do you think, 
what do you think? I, I'm, I'm not sure if you're a scientist or not, but what do you think, based on what you understand, what do you think does work? I mean, does did anything work that the government instituted? To, no, I don't think any of it worked. It all would have just rampage, rampaged through our society either way, right? The virus? I mean, is is rampage the right word? I think that if if people had been truly terrified, the, the people who were terrified would have stayed home anyway, as they did initially. The rest of us would go out and live our lives. Uh, a good chunk of the population is going to catch it and develop natural immunity. And that would most likely protect most of the people who are vulnerable and staying at home. But there is no perfect system. You can't, it's not humanly possible to contain an airborne respiratory virus. Right. It's just not, it's not possible. And there's no reason that we should obsess over it to this degree. Like everyone should do what they think they need to do to be careful, but you can't control a, a world with 7 billion people in it. And think that you're going to stop the spread of germs that's right. that's fantasy that's nonsense right <sighs> yeah i mean it's so it's so crazy we're two years in now yep and uh i don't want to fault the government for trying to protect public health but a pan there's nothing like a pandemic can we agree that there's nothing like a pandemic to test the constitution i mean this is the ultimate test isn't it it is and it's been you know trampled upon and tossed out basically just completely disregarded so it's a painful lesson i think for conservatives and people who consider themselves constitutionalists that it it's a beautiful document and i think it's the best one we've got but it's nowhere near good enough it did not actually protect our rights it did not restrict government the way it in was intended to be so you're a libertarian for the audience right yeah, that's correct. And so what does you what do you say that what should we do? How should we write the constitution then, so to speak? You know what I mean? What am I, what should it be then? If if it's the best document we got now, what do you think we should do to really protect or make it better? Oh man, well, if I could go back in time, I would remove the necessary and proper clause. That would be a good start. It'd be a very good start. Necessary and proper anything relating to the governance of interstate commerce that's got to get tossed out too wow those two well that's the so for the audience uh, so are you a lawyer angela i'm a paralegal yep and not like it you would have to be to understand these concepts but for the audience who i assume most of whom are not lawyers or familiar congress the federal government guys was given uh limited but some powers when the country was founded and one of those is the interstate commerce power Another one is like the tax and spend power, but interstate commerce power to regulate activity. And it's been interpreted in such a way that the, gov the Congress can regulate pretty much almost anything because it can yep. be traced to this idea of interstate commerce and the necessary and proper clause, which was a clause that I think Thomas Jefferson was very much against getting put in the Constitution, basically just is like an amplifier for that interstate commerce power. So it's like to say they can uh, regulate interstate commerce, whatever that means, and then they can also enact any laws that are necessary and proper to regulate interstate commerce. So it's like an amplifier. So in other words, the Congress can do almost anything. So you'd like to see that undone. So what is the problem with the federal government having these powers? Well, the federal government's power has essentially become unchecked. The only way that we get federal power checked at this point is is if we beg and hope and pray that the Supreme Court does the right thing and they don't always do it. That's yeah, 
that's that's kind of a stark, you know, sad reality. Mm. And so the, uh, the average modern day liberal and liberals, not progressive, yeah. left leaning progressive, would be shocked at this conversation. Um, they say we know the federal government doesn't do enough. So explain to someone who might be in that position thinking, what do you mean, Angela? The federal government doesn't do enough to protect people. What would you say to them? I mean, the, the federal government doesn't do enough to protect people. So let's let's break that down. The, the point of government isn't actually to protect us. It's just to protect our rights. It's not to pr protect us from germs. It's not to provide us with welfare. It's supposed to be a minimal government designed to only really do anything once our rights are being infringed upon. The taxes that that were discussed, you know, in the in the Constitution, which I'm not real thrilled about that either, but they were supposed to be very minimal just to keep the government operational, not to start massing amounts of massive amounts of debts, not for us to have a giant bloated federal war budget, no social security. That's that stuff doesn't that stuff wasn't around in 1776, 1787. Right. So, so yeah, you've, you've got that wrong. There's not supposed to be a, a, a large benevolent protection from the federal government. That, that's the first place I'd start with mm -hmm. that. Okay. And so what if that person said, yeah, but times have changed and why should, why, why should the government be stuck? Why should we stick with the government that the founders, um, granted they're, you know, brilliant people, but why should we stick with their arrangement? Why should we have to? sure? Why should that person have a say over how I live my life? What it really comes down to is progressives want to enact totalitarian control over the rest of us. And I just don't consent. So if you want to have all kinds of crazy protections for yourself, okay, go out and get insurance. Why, why do they think that it's okay to vote that against me, to rob me of my hard earned money, to raise my taxes? And then to give it to incompetent hacks, to bureaucrats who don't even follow through on their promises. All of our tax dollars, th those aren't spent in the way that anybody would want them to be spent, idealistically. Mm -hmm. They go to a bloated military budget. They they go to like dark weapons program. The Pentagon lost money. It's just straight up lost, like over a billion dollars. Mm. It's, it's crazy. Very naive. Progressives are very naive if they think that you'll get anything good out of the federal government. Aren't they all upset about police killings and, and war abroad? And, and then they think these the same government should control our health care? That's absolute madness. Hmm. What about the position? What if someone said, hmm. Let's see, healthcare, police killings. Where should I go with this? Okay, welfare, housing, for example. What about the home? So, should we just let? What do you do about all the housing needs in this country, the homeless and the poor and the elderly and the impoverished and the people that live off Social Security? What do you do? Just okay, so in the city of Los Angeles, we had a measure that we voted on. It was called Measure HHH, Triple H, like the wrestler. Mm. And it was supposed to buy, build a bunch of affordable housing units throughout downtown Los Angeles and, and other areas for, for people who were homeless. And it raised our taxes and everybody rallied behind it like a bunch of fools being very excited. And, and what's happened? That was 2018, so four years later, there's been no progress on it. It's a complete waste of money, waste of time.
hmm. waste of energy. Um, it's just been a slush fund for our tax dollars. It doesn't work. That there are a lot of there are a lot of great idealistic goals that that progressives want. Like they they want to take care of people. They want to make sure everybody has something. Mm-hmm. That no one's broke. No one's right. poor. No one's homeless. But that's just not reality. Like I, I empathize with those with those desires. Of, of course, I don't want people to be homeless and starving in the streets. But we can't control everybody's decisions, and we can't make life perfect for them. Mm-hmm. And we certainly haven't been able to pull off perfecting our government. It's made up in it's made of corrupt, like imperfect, immoral people. And so we can't expect perfection to come out of that. It's it's not possible. Right. But you could but we could have you could theoretically switch to a system that totally even further tramples our constitution and provide so you're familiar cer- certainly but the audience might not be America was founded on this concept of negative liberty, negative rights. Yes. Right. The government can't take x and y and z away from you rather than the concept of positive liberty, positive rights, which is to say the government must provide A, B, and C, or C. Right. Um, The progressives today, left-leaning progressives, want the government to provide A, B, and C. And conservatives simply just say, no, that's not the role of government. Um, Right. And so that's the basic, that's the classic divide. And it's, I guess it's clear where libertarians stand on that. So yeah, yeah. very opposed positive rights. Mm -hmm. Ultimately what it comes down to is, are you willing to imprison people if they don't want to donate part of their income to the federal government? That's really what it comes down to. Would you, would you murder someone? Would you throw them in jail if they don't want to pay taxes on their hard earned money? And my answer to that is no, like I'm, I'm not a violent person. I don't want to throw innocent, nonviolent people in prison for the rest of their lives. I don't want to subject them to prison beatings, to prison food, to solitary confinement, to psychological torture and abuse. And when progressives say that they want people to pay their fair share, the implication is pay your fair share or else, or else you're going to prison or else we're going to let the cops shoot you. It's going to be a state sanctioned murder. And that's not good. Well, I don't know. That's really what I I, Yeah, I never, I don't know that I, where have you heard people saying stuff like that? I mean, I know it gets pretty vitriolic on the, on the far left and tax the rich and eat the rich. You're right. Because, oh, well, I definitely do hear it, but I don't hear it usually at first. Mm. But when you press them on the issue, what's the alternative? What are the consequences of not paying your taxes? Mm. They don't say, well, you know, we'll just be mad at you. They say, well, you get punished. And I'm like, okay, what's that punishment? Let's keep going. Let's let's follow this to its to its end goal, to its conclusion. Right. Well, you go to prison. Okay, well, what happens if you don't go to prison? What if I resist? Mm. Well, then we'll call the cops. Mm. Okay, well, what happens if I resist there? I don't want to go to prison. I don't want to get arrested because I didn't want to pay taxes. Well, the, what are the cops going to do? They're going to manhandle you and put cuffs on you. You resist, they're going to shoot you. That is That is what happens. So that is what progressives are asking for. It is unfortunate that they don't think about it more critically. Some of them do, actually. Right. Some of them do. You know, I would say I would agree that there is a vitriol among the far left, I would say. Mm-hmm. And I see it in I'm in the last semester of law school. I'm 32 now and I'm with younger people in school. And I, I do see it. <laughs> um, 
for example, I took a corporations yeah. class and it was like the professor, I was bombarded on day one of millionaires shouldn't exist. Millionaires shouldn't right. exist. And it was like, whoa, how am I going to teach corporations to this class? Um, but I would agree that there is a, you could call it a totalitarian impulse, totalitarian impulse, I suppose, ignorant, combined with an ignorance of the Constitution and American history that leads certain far left progressives today to say stuff like that. And basically like, yeah, I mean, eat the rich. That's, I guess, what eat the rich means. Yep, absolutely. I mean, you have you have Jeff Bezos and the bridge and his super yacht. And but it's, so that's it's crazy. But it's like. No, I'm not one of those people who reacts to that and says, uh, that's evidence that we should tax the rich. Like, I could probably be persuaded to support proposals that tax the rich, but I think the point is when you just do these things and say these things and make these arguments completely untethered to the history of our country and the Constitution, that's where the disconnect becomes so wide because it's like, wait a minute, you're suggesting these things, progressives, but can we start from a starting point of like where the other side is? So what mm -hmm. to do, what to do. So should we, we should return to, so federalism is very good. States rights are very good. So you obviously don't think, see a lot of progressives today think that states rights is just a vehicle, a pretext for, for racism and discrimination. A libertarian wouldn't agree. It's, it's ridiculous though, because what happened in 2016 when Donald Trump won the presidential election, Gavin Newsom and a bunch of progressives in California lost their minds and said that they were going to secede and be their own nation state. So obviously it's not just about slavery. It's about not wanting to be ruled or governed by people you don't agree with politically. Mm. Absolutely. And it's funny I have, so I'm taking an amazing class. Uh, right now I'm in a class called discrimination, law and diversity. Uh, last mm -hmm. semester I had uh, jurisprudence. We got a lot of critical race theory in that one. An amazing black professor. I mentioned that he's black only because he's lived through the civil rights movement and he's a very accomplished lawyer and law professor and just an amazing education from him. And um, he said that um, I asked him, I said, Professor, is state, do you think federalism is just a, a cover for racism? And he said, no. And so if a disciple of Derek Bell is saying that the creative critical race theory, who my professor is, <clears throat> is telling you that it's not just a mere cover for racism, then progressives, if you're listening, maybe you should take that into, into consideration. It's not so simple. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah, I like states' rights. I mean, it's all, it's all about reasonableness. Well, I don't know if it's not all about reasonableness. I guess it's all about the Constitution, Angela. It really is. And, and states' rights have also, that's been one of the things that's been pushing cannabis decriminalization. And we're now going to be seeing it manifest with psilocybin decriminalization. So I think that it's like states' rights are really important. They provide some really important cover for our basic human rights that our federal government has cast aside, unfortunately. So what are those rights? Because it's all about what you think those rights are, right? Yep. So yep. if the purpose of government is merely to protect those rights, and I say merely, like it's not a hugely important thing, but mm -hmm. uh, only to protect those rights, what are those rights, in your opinion? Bodily autonomy, uh, the right to own property, the right to defend your property, 
the right to go out and go to work, provide for yourself. Those are some basic rights. Now you're getting that from the Constitution and the case law, right? Constitution, early case law, you know, I have some issues with case law. We rely on it too much. I don't believe that judges are supposed to write law, and that's basically what case law does. Uh, and, and natural rights, like these are these are rights that have been discussed throughout the course of history, especially in Western civilization, starting with John Locke, um, the right to free speech and the right to, to peaceable assembly. That's another right. And, and honestly, like the right to overthrow tyrannical government. Mm -hmm. That's a that's a right. And I believe that that's also enumerated definitely in the Declaration of Independence. That's yeah. that's pretty clear. I'd stated. have to agree with you. Uh... <sighs> So these rights, so it's really about individualism, is it not? Yes, absolutely. Wow. And then today you have a lot of people who are not into individual. No, I don't think that would be fair to say. I think you. it's more fair to say today you have people who think we're more connected than we were or we should be more connected and communal. And so why then shouldn't those rights... Why is it, so the right to housing is not a natural right, I suppose? It's not. Um, I would say, though, that that you should have the right to go out and make a home for yourself. Mm. I believe very strongly in property rights. I just don't believe that the government has a is supposed to grant you a house, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I do think the government should leave you alone at your own home. You know, sure. like there have been. Oh numerous sob stories about people getting their homes revoked if they didn't have their mons, lawns mowed when they were go, undergoing chemotherapy or in the hospital, things like that. Yeah. Property taxes, ridiculous. Like you purchase your home outright and you're, you still have to pay taxes right. on it. There's, there are a lot of government issues with, with property rights for sure. And, and that's really the heart of the matter, isn't it? Because, and this is a something I was just kind of cluing in on as I went through law school, especially in property class first year. And as, I've, as I'm searching for political identity and thinking, you know, it's all about property. It's not the economy stupid, it's property stupid, in my opinion, at the heart of political philosophy. And the progressives, the left-leaning progressives today, you know, they want to tax more, they want to, and they don't like property. They don't like the concept right. so much. And they tie it together with the fact that black people were originally property themselves. We, and that's a sickening reality. Okay. And so my question always is, can this concept of private, the way I look at it rather, is that a lot of, and, and I, I too, I may be a left-leaning progressive, by the way, I don't know. But a lot of them, I think today, look at property as this dirty concept because of that original sin. And can it be cleansed? And they say, it can't be cleansed. And so I think you have to deal with that when talking to them and say, look, it can be cleansed. We got to just make sure that black people are fully brought into the system, okay, so that they have all these rights as well. Now they're players in the game. And the game is good. It was just a bad application at first. Yeah, we don't want to punish everyone and push people down for equality. We want to lift everyone up. So we shouldn't take away people's rights because someone had their rights taken away in the past. We should just restore everyone's rights and move forward on that, like on that path. I would think that that's actually progressive. I, I don't, I, right. I think that it's regressive to, to take away rights. 
Right. That's why I try to be careful and say left-leaning progressive because you could have conservative views that are progressive. I mean, hey, this is the best. It's all yeah. about which. And so how do you define progress? And we can all agree what progress looks like. Everyone prospering. Uh, Absolutely. Is how we get there. Gonna, oh, yeah. Can, can a libertarian support the idea, sustain the idea of reparations? Uh, well, that depends, right? So we should, we should break that down. Like, what is it? What is, what are reparations? Money in the hand, uh, in the hand of, uh, in the bank account of, uh, those who have ancestry tied to being slaves and Jim Crow, those who were denied institutional wealth by either, either by being slaves or, or, you know, not getting the house, this and that. So slavery 200 years ago, horrible. But uh, I do think that at some point there's a statute of limitations on restitution. And it also becomes incredibly complex when you can't figure out what your family lineage is. And when you've got some ancestors that were slaves and some that weren't. And, and when you've, who's, who are, who's making the payment? Who's restoring it? Is, it? is it people who are born and alive today? You know, we didn't have anything to do with slavery. We oppose it and think it's horrible. Uh, I don't, I don't see how there's a reasonable path forward for reparations for slavery 200 plus right. years ago. Now, if we want to talk about something terrible that happened to someone and that individual still alive, someone who was hurt by, by um, something that happened in the 1960s in the civil rights movement, redlining, things like that. I think that that's a conversation that can be had and it can be had respectfully and you can actually find a path forward. Cool. Yeah. And, and that's kind of, I mean, the, the stats that you get hit with in these civil rights classes, and I'm sure you're familiar with them, um, and the audience probably is too, but some that come to mind are like that average uh, black family wealth is one-tenth of the average white family wealth. And I hate thinking about, st- I'm only thinking in terms of black and white because that's what my professor's telling me to do. I hate right. that stuff. I, I detest it. So that's who you're talking to. I hate labels. Um, I'm searching for political identity, and maybe I am a libertarian. Justin O'Donnell thinks I am because I okay. I just think I just think individuals is what it comes down to. Um, and at the end of the day, the most yeah. the most enlightened form of being will be one that in which you have your own ideas. And uh, I'm not sure if that means I'm going to ultimately be a libertarian, but big freedom of thought guy, I think. Nice. Nice. So the liberty inclined, your liberty inclined. So the, the redlining, so the reparations, yes, the, the the professor hits you over the head with it and, and wants you to do, you want to help. And so you get beat into this, this beat into you that, Hey, there is a black community that needs help. And so how do we help? I want to help. How do you, I'm being told that the average black college graduate today is the way compared to the average college educated white man, both entering the workforce today, it's the wage gap is actually widening in favor of the white man today. Why? I don't know, professor. Like I want to solve this problem. I don't know what to do about it. Angela, you know, there's so much data that you, you have to look at. Like it's, I feel that it's intellectually dishonest for a professor to tell you about a wage gap between one ethnic group and another ethnic group without also examining the wage gaps between, you know, like the, the wage rate, I guess, of every other ethnic group. Do we talk about Asian people? Do we talk about people who've immigrated over here from India? 
do we talk about Latino people? Like, but, but they like to just play black and white so that they can make you operate with limited information and skew the outcome of your thought experiment. And I don't appreciate that. Nor do I. And I find myself being like the Ted Cruz in this class of 40 people again. And it's not because I'm like a Ted Cruz, but I just, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm being programmed here and I don't like it. Like, yes. Yeah. Suspect. Yeah. Mm. It's very difficult stuff. Gosh. The, he's telling me we have an American race problem today. It's very, it's very tough. I mean, we do now. I, th I think it's terrible. I don't think that we did in 2009. I think we've regressed. We've, we've regressed and, and you, you know, we can blame media. We can blame government. We can blame academia. Yeah. I think there's a lot of moving parts, but there's definitely racial tension right now. And I think that a lot of it is manufactured. They took basically, you know, smoldering ashes and restoked the flames. And do you think so? We haven't talked about uh, Senor Trump at all. Do you think he um, contributed to a rise in inflaming the racial tensions? We know he's a controversial I think guy. He, right. I think he contributed. This is going to be so wildly unpopular on ever on everybody's sides. I think he contributed a small amount, mm -hmm. and I think that media contributed a huge, significant amount. I totally agree. But, like he's not like totally innocent. He's said some pretty crappy things, yeah. but he hasn't said them day in, day out. He's just said a couple right. of idiotic things, but the, you know, the media pounded the drum on that and amplified it and blasted it all over the place totally. and, and stirred up, you know, manufactured controversy. And then before you know it, they've got people saying that Donald Trump is a homophobe and he hates gay people. Mm. I think he had more gay people in his administration than like, any other president in history. Right. So it just kind of snowballs and spirals out of control and, and, and until people the, are completely. The, and, yeah. and, and that's why the word for me to describe Trump is irony. Irony. Yeah. Irony, right? Yeah. Because it was a vicious, yeah. the media feeds it, he feeds into them and he's not innocent. He provokes, but they overreact. That's his game. Then he's got the ball yeah. and he's amazing at it. And he's super talented and he's funny, I think. And I don't yep. know that I think he was that bad of a president. I got slammed for saying that. But I could, I mean, I never voted for him. I mean, uh, right. You're just not triggered and emotion no. emotionally wrecked over a mean tweet that he put out. You're like, haha, that's funny. Correct. And I, I see, I, I can actually say, say that he kind of governed as a constant. Well, let me ask you did he govern as a constitutional conservative? No, I think he governed as a centrist Democrat closer to Bill Clinton in the 90s. How, could you explain that? Sure. So he actually, well, he raised our debt considerably, right? So that sucked. We had horrible inflation happen. He did a lot of things to help us here in the country, allegedly, even though I don't agree with them. Like he did tariffs and, and things that, that were very like America centric. Mm -hmm. Um, he didn't start any new wars, so he, you know, he has that going for him. But he certainly didn't end them like he promised. Mm -hmm. um, there were there were not radical things on the right. He actually kind of increased uh, federal gun control. Gun grabbing went up under his under his uh, leadership. What else? He didn't do anything to 
stop governors who were enacting lockdowns. Now, I, and I don't think that that would be his place right. to. Could he? But a scary far right gov, a scary far right president would have tried to do that. Mm. So we didn't actually see the the quote unquote fascism come out there. Hmm. It was much more much more sympathetic to left leaning people than than they realize. He just didn't buy into identity politics. You know, he he pushed vaccines, Operation Warp Speed. I just right. don't see I don't see a connection between him and the scary uh, shadowy alt right boogeyman. The tax cut was was good, but it wasn't nearly enough. That was much more like a Bill Clinton style thing. You know, you know Bill Clinton was also the one who limited welfare. Mm-hmm. De- Democrats have, I think, short memories when it comes to this sort of stuff. Yeah. Or and or the, you know, the game is changing. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just a short memory. <sighs> yeah. I don't think even Barack Obama was in favor of gay marriage the first time he took office. I don't believe so. Yeah. Joe Biden was ahead of him so, that whole thing. Here, yeah, and and apparently so was Donald Trump. Pretty crazy. Oh, I don't doubt that. I mean, all the time at Studio Fifty Four, <laughs> it's got to have an effect. Right, on you. right. Absolutely. I remember talking to my dad when he came down the escalator and was I guess twenty fifteen or sixteen, and I go and and I was like, you know, this is this fucking guy. He's got something. He he he's talking in a way that is visceral, and people are listening. So, very interesting figure. Yes, I would use the word irony. Wow. What are your thoughts on... Well, let forget Biden for now. Let me ask you about you. So tell me about your politics, your race. What's going on? Can we support you? Where? What should we know about you? So I, I currently chair the Libertarian Party of Los Angeles County, and I am running for the position of chairman of the National Libertarian Party. That sounds pretty um, important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that it's no joke, right? Like we're the third largest political party in the most powerful country in the world. That's insane. So, yeah. It's pretty crazy when you think about it in those terms. Yeah. It's pretty amazing that you I'm know, talking and, to you. And, yeah. And, um, you know, I just want the party to be in better shape. It's, it's not in good shape right now. It's not very principled. It's, it has sort of sort of a low self-esteem vibe. So tell so me I'm about the problem in libertarian, the libertarian party and what you're going to do to fix it. Yep. So the libertarian party um, has not had a, it's had a high time preference strategy, the longest that I've ever been involved and been able to figure it out. And so they don't plan for their future. Well, they don't have good leadership. I don't even think that it's anything personal. I think it's just been so badly managed for so many years that people don't understand what real leadership and mm-hmm. administrative like management actually looks like. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking to turn that around. We're going to start with much better messaging. We're going to have bold, unapologetic, principled libertarian messaging. We're going to increase our membership. We're going to reach out to our donors. All good stuff. Yeah, that sounds... And grow our donors. Mm. Yeah. That sounds pretty amazing. So... What so the bold libertarian unapologetic messaging? What is someone from the a traditional Republican? What is the, and I'm going to ask about a traditional Democrat. What are those reactions going to be to that message? And how do you convince uh, maybe someone who might be on the fence in each party to come to you? Okay, so for people who are conservative or liberty inclined, like in a right leaning way. Mm-hmm. 
strong opposition to lockdowns, I think is going to be very helpful. And for people on the left, I think better advances on drug decriminalization. Okay. So from the right, you were saying uh, they might be attracted to the idea of the libertarian being anti-lockdown from the left. You're saying the left might like the libertarian because they're anti-war libertarian is anti-war and anti, um, anti-drug war, anti-drug war as well. Right. Decriminalization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Those are good things. I think that's reasonable. So I get, yeah, even as a Democrat, I think Biden's vaccine mandate, political mistake, right? Don't, wouldn't it have been better to just push the, uh, the uh, recommendation? Yeah, absolutely. Because it becomes extremely suspect. As soon as someone starts mandating it and saying that I've got to do it, I have to. The, the first thing I do is I wonder, oh, what's going on? Why are you, why are you trying to force me to do something? It's just not a good persuasion technique. I agree. And Mr. Persuasion, you know, he and I remember he came out and he said, um, we we put the, my administration, we put this vaccine mandate in place, not because it would be popular, but because, you know, because it was the right thing to do. And what, what else can you say? But, you know, good for you. You know, I mean, that's a nice statement. But was it the was it savvy? I'm not sure. Oh, definitely think. not. I mean, his ratings are really, really low right now. And, and granted, presidential ratings get low all the time. People, you know, you're kind of the most hated man on the planet in a lot of respects. Mm. But this is lower, I think, than than the normal low. I think people are really fed up and frustrated. It's Couple a tough that time. with yeah, yeah with pandemic. with inflation and mm. just kind of malcontent feelings in general. Yeah, I'm sure that the the attempted vaccine mandate did not uh, did not work in his favor. Yeah, exactly. Attempted. Okay, so back to your party and what you're trying to do. Why should? Why else should we become libertarians? What is the libertarian national party going to do once they become successful and take over? Oh well, we're going to start lobbying at the federal level, so that'll be a thing. Um, I mean, so there's there's once we become successful, and then once we take over, those are those two items are very far apart. I think. Mm-hmm. It's going to take time. We've got to build ourselves at a grassroots level. My my emphasis right now is on local elections. Like we need to win locally because that's the level where you can stand up against dictatorial governors like Newsom and and, and Whitmer and Cuomo and what's her name Hutchell something like Hochul. Mm-hmm. Uh, county and city governments are the ones that can say no 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 we're not going to comply. So the National Libertarian Party is definitely going to be supportive of that, running local elections, and we're going to run really strong candidates at the national level too. But those are going to be a little bit different because those will be more like information campaigns to help us grow our grassroots base. So I don't expect we're going to be running a presidential election you know, in the next four to eight years, but we will be using that in a much smarter way to grow our own movement and to really demonstrate our values and show people that individualism and and freedom are, are essential components of American history and living, and that they're actually very beneficial and very good for you. It's individualism is not scary. It's very empowering. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree in theory. Um, so what is the right, what is the difference then between a traditional Republican and a libertarian? It, the war budget? 
Well, the joke is that we're Republicans that want to, you know, that are okay with smoking weed and gay marriage. But but the truth mm-hmm. is we're we're for individualism and conservatives are not. And 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 well, you know what? I would say that the the biggest difference is the non-aggression principle. And that really guides our philosophy and therefore our our political motivations, our aspirations and our actions. We think that you should not use violence except in self-defense. And so that sort of eviscerates the war, right? Uh, that, that eviscerates wars for empire. You should only have a defensive army. And, uh, and we believe very much in bodily autonomy. And so that means also ending the drug war. And that for a lot of people, a lot of libertarians, although not all, they believe that we should not constrain peaceful people who want to move across borders. So some people think that uh, immigration restrictions should be totally lifted. And others like myself think that people should at least be able to come to the United States to work if they want to. It doesn't necessarily grant citizenship, but if someone's peaceful, nonviolent, you know, they don't have a history of terrorism or whatever, we should just let them come in and and do their thing. Right. Good luck. I like to, yeah, I like to link it back to free trade right? Like we are, we're very much in favor of international free trade. I think that when, when, uh, goods don't cross borders, troops will, and free trade helps to keep peace. And I think the same thing goes for, you know, employment and that businesses obviously should be able to hire whoever they want. And sometimes that means people from another country. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. So the war in individualism, immigration. That's interesting. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we don't want, we don't want taxes. Uh, We want zero to as little as possible somewhere on that spectrum. That's what libertarianism is about Hmm. because taxation is also violent too. You know, we've kind of discussed that a little bit, like those, some of the violent things that your tax dollars go to support. Hmm. Right. That's an interesting thing to do to think about the beginning and the end. Where is it really going? Yeah. 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 Your tax dollars end up in drone warfare, murdering women and children at weddings Mm -hmm. in the Middle East. That's where your tax dollars go. Hmm. That's not good. It's not a good vibe. It's not good vibes. Sorry to be a downer there, but that's, (laughs) that's the reality. Okay, so this is interesting. So the libertarian, that's the libertarian movement. When did the libertarian movement pick up steam in America? Or I guess you could say it's the original movement. Well, yeah, I'd say 1776. But uh, the, the Libertarian Party, the organization was founded in 1971 in Colorado. Hmm. Very interesting. What else can I ask you, Angela? When is your race coming up and where can we go to support you? Okay, so Memorial Day weekend, it'll be happening in in Reno, Nevada. And if you'd like to find out more and follow along, you can go to my website, AngelaMcArdle.com. Lots of updates there. And if you'd like to support my travels and the work that I do, you can go to Patreon.com forward slash AngelaMcArdle. Fantastic. And I'll certainly include all the links in the description here. Before I let you go, I feel like I just, there's just... Some more ground to cover. So healthcare is a non-starter. We don't care about the libertarians. (laughs) That ain't the government. So the government doesn't provide. The government doesn't provide. 
and it right you know a note about yourself get that from yourself get that from your family right let me break down a little bit on healthcare. Um, healthcare is much better in other European countries. Part of that is because they do not have such an aggressive, nasty regulatory framework like we do. It's not because it's government-sponsored healthcare. It's because they have so many more opportunities to get different drugs and medicines to people, and it costs less because they don't have the same uh, FDA that we do. So we don't want government healthcare, and that also means we don't want government regulatory healthcare. That would make it much, much more affordable. Mm. Interesting. Okay, that's healthcare. What else do the progress, the left leaning progress, gun care, guns? Obviously, I mean that's. Yep. The people will say, well, only in two thousand eight, with Scalia's decision in Heller, did that become uh, really enshrined? But obviously, that's deeply enshrined in our culture that you should have a gun you should be able to have a gun yeah. um what is your response though to those who say look at you how what do we do about all these tragedies that keep happening which tragedies like the yeah. ones where people are shooting each other with illegal handguns in chicago because it doesn't look like um it doesn't look like gun control worked out very well for all those gun-free zones where they have rampant gun violence I think right. that an armed society is a polite society. Yeah, that's so that so I've never held a gun, never held a gun. Um, Interesting. But yeah, yeah. But um, I watched this random Ted Nugent clip when he was no pun intended when he spoke about yeah. um, the the fact that being an being armed does something to your thinking, and I posted that as a Twitter question, and I said, you know, I buy that. I buy that. Um, and people are saying, dude, you're, 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 you're whacked out. And I'm like, is it so crazy to think that having a, a gun, a capacity to, to fight in, in a, in a way that is like multiplied compared to what you'd be able to do naturally, is that, does that have an effect on how you think about the relationship to society? And is it a good effect? I got to tell you. Yeah, I think I think it's a very good effect. I have defended myself from a attempted mugger slash rapist with a gun. He was three times my size. I was alone. Wow. What what else would I have done? That's amazing. I had to pull I pulled a gun out of my purse. I didn't even have to, you know, I didn't even have to take the well, I guess I was taking the safety off as I was pulling it out of my purse, pulling it up in one hand drawing down on him and within what was this like a period of four seconds it must have been less than five seconds he had already backed off and was across the street saying he was just kidding no one even <laughs> got hurt no one got hurt i didn't fire the gun there there wasn't even a big scene that's amazing there was no noise. That, I, that's amazing it's <laughs> it's really like it is the great equalizer i i was basically stalked as i was leaving work that's late at insane. night walking down the street in Hollywood, it, it was right. He was like, "Oh, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing around." He was not messing around. I, I'm not even oh going to repeat God. what he said to me, but it was incredibly violent and explicit. That's and disgusting. He followed me for yeah, for about two blocks. That's and insane. That just, it was yeah. It really saved my life, mm. and um, and it saved his life too. You know, and I would like to think that he probably reconsidered stalking women in the middle of the night after that. Maybe not for his whole life, right. but. 
<laughs> he was brain. definitely shook. Definitely sh shook. Yeah, good. Wow. And I mean, I buy the I also buy the the simple line that guns don't kill people, people kill people. I mean, I buy that. You know, look, the Absolutely. force multipliers, okay? Yep. Um, Absolutely. You know. So you can't I, I also buy this idea that you can't legislate danger away completely. But at the same time, you can regulate for well, you know, states can regulate for public health. <clears throat> the federal government really actually has no power to government to regulate for for government uh, public right. health. I mean, that's a constitutional rule like that if you just you have to really go through law school or be familiar with conservatism to to understand like the federal government literally is has no power to do to regulate for the safety, health and morals. In other words, have a police power. The states do. Right. And can you imagine like I live in California. I live in Los Angeles. Biden is on the opposite coast, the other end of the country, almost like almost as far away as he could get. What does he know about my life? What does anyone right. over there in Washington have anything to do with me? They don't know what's best for me. I do. And we're talking about the most basic things, but it's really important, the relationship between the citizens and the federal government and the federal government and the states. And a big question today, as we've talked about, is, do you know? Do states' rights matter? And um, I I agree with you. I mean, I just a, I I don't see, you know, are we the United States of America or are we America the the nation? Yeah, we're both. I, I think we're that we're both. Yeah, right. You have to be both. Doesn't I, the Constitution say we're both? Well, I mean, we could pick that apart. I could, I would argue it. And I know we're, and we're coming up to time, so um, we'll land yeah. a plane here. Um, want to be respectful of your time, but what do you think about that? I think that we're states. I think, I think that we were definitely states, and the Articles of Confederation spelled that out much more clearly. But uh, you know, uh, but well, that's bunk. I mean, we'll we, have to do. We, we, we'll we have to do on. another episode on on constitutional coup in the Articles of Confederation. Mm, okay. Well, absolutely. I look forward to that. Um, I am so grateful for your time, Angela. Amazing. I mean, this is why I set out to do this podcast, to punch up, to get connected with people that are doing amazing things and really impressive, and you are that. So super grateful for you, and I look forward to being in touch and getting another one scheduled. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So uh, audience members, go check out the links and support Angela. And Angela, have a great day. Thank you. Yep. Take care.